Name this sound. Do it again. Did you figure out what that sound was? I think every parent of a preschooler knows that sound. That would be the Velcro on a little kid's shoe. Because <laughs> we have to put it on their feet at least 17 or 18 times a day. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to Starting Sustainability. My name is Kaylin Chenoweth and I am the host of this podcast. I am just a little bit under the weather because it was in the 90s for a few weeks and for the last week and a half it's been getting down to the 50s and 60s at night and my sinuses are all over the place not handling it very well at all but hey at least I have a voice I still have a voice it's a little raspy which might be a little bit sexy <laughs> hopefully <laughs> instead of so nasally and annoying because that's what it sounds like to me but either way I still have a voice and didn't lose it because I was very concerned about that in the recording of this podcast let me go ahead and tell you about my life outside of being sick. We're going to catch up with Kaylin right now. And this past weekend, I finally did get around to making yogurt in the Instapot. I talked about that on either the last episode or two episodes ago. And I was like, I've had this Instapot since Christmas and I have yet to make yogurt in it. So I decided to use a little yogurt button function and learned how to make yogurt in the Instapot. And guess what? It still took 11 hours. So it's not really any faster at all. <laughs> But it was still good to make yogurt from scratch again. I hadn't done that for quite some time, so that was really nice and refreshing. Corbin did end up starting preschool last Monday, and he was super excited, very stoked about it. We did go to Once Upon a Child, which is a secondhand shop around here, and we got his backpack and his lunchbox. I was very excited to see the variety of backpacks that they had at the children's secondhand shop. There was quite a lot to choose from. Corbin went around and he ended up picking a camouflage type backpack that was black gray in like a neon green color and he was very excited about it and it's pretty good quality like it's a good sturdy backpack and he got a Legos Jurassic World lunchbox which he was very excited about because he's seen that TV show on Netflix before. I'm extra proud of him because we got to the store we got to Once Upon a Child and I said okay we're gonna go pick out your backpack and he just looks at me and he knew that that's what we were going to do, but you could tell he had been thinking about it on the car drive. He said, but I already have a backpack. And I said, yeah, you do. He, he has a black backpack with some neon green straps, but it's a small little kid backpack. It's designed for little kids, so it's a much smaller backpack. And we pack it with toys and snacks and stuff when we do road trips, but it's not the full-size backpack, which is what was actually required on his very specific school supply list. They wanted a full-size backpack because he has to transport his pillow and blanket for nap and his lunchbox. And in the wintertime, they actually put their hat and gloves and coats all inside the backpack. So the little tiny one that he had wasn't going to work because it wasn't going to be big enough to hold everything. So we had to go get this new to us backpack. But he's still very excited about it. The backpack was $7.50 and the lunchbox that he got was $3.50 for a grand total of 11 bucks. Ta-da! Very excited, Mama. I love to save money and be sustainable all at the same time. What I found is super interesting 
was after we did our errand to Once Upon a Child, I actually had to go to a department store. I won't say which one, but I had to go to a department store in order to do a return. And when we walked in, we walked by all of the backpacks, the brand new backpacks. The store did have a good variety, but they were all mainstream character backpacks. Like there's a Batman backpack and a Minecraft and Star Wars Baby Yoda. They had all these mainstream characters. Corbin pointed out, hey, look at these backpacks. And so just out of curiosity's sake, we went over there and I was I was waiting for him to spy the Batman one and the Spider-Man one and to ask for it, but he never asked for it. He just said, oh, look, backpacks, there's more backpacks. We went over, we checked them out and I was touching them. First of all, these backpacks were cheap, like cheap quality, poorly made, super thin, very thin to where I was like, these are not even gonna make it past the first week of school. I could just tell by touching them. I could tell these were like a fast fashion backpack designed to fall apart very quickly. And they're priced on sale for $49.99, almost $50 for the world's cheapest, crappiest backpack. And even worse yet, there's a big tag on the front, like five piece backpack kit, five piece. So you got the backpack, you got the lunchbox, and then you got like a keychain and a bookmark and I don't even, oh, a carabiner I think was the last one. I'm like, that doesn't make it five pieces. That makes it terrible. <laughs> it just was a marketing scheme. It really made me frustrated at how suckers were falling for this. They're getting a brand new backpack thinking it's gonna last a long time and it's not. The one that we got at Once Upon a Child was definitely much higher quality. So now I'm extra proud of Corbin for picking out a high quality, pre-loved, sustainable backpack that is definitely gonna last him for years to come. Oh, I forgot to share with you that the lunchbox he picked out was like a canvas cloth zip shut lunchbox. Excellent, marvelous, no worries. We only need it to serve the function of sending two snacks in a day. He needed a morning snack and an afternoon snack. Lunch was gonna be provided at the school. He was just gonna do a hot lunch every day. That way I don't have to pack a lunch or stress out about it. Bada bing, bada boom, done, keep life simple. And then literally two days before school started, I got an email that they were unable to hire anybody to cook the meals at his preschool and that we as parents are now expected to send a lunch every single day. And guess what? I learned very quickly that even though I have gobs of Tupperware and like real silverware, real cloth napkins, lots of Tupperware, stasher bags, all reusable stuff, it wasn't gonna fit inside that lunchbox. <laughs> so we have actually been struggling all week trying to get his lunches to fit inside of his lunchbox along with an ice pack. I may have to go back to Once Upon a Child just to get a bigger lunchbox or pray and hope that they're able to find somebody to prepare hot lunches so I don't have to deal with this lunch mess anymore. This headache, extra chore, extra stress. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it anymore. It's only been one week and I don't want to pack my kids lunch anymore. That makes me the world's best mom, right? <laughs> I hope so. And since Corbin went to school this past week, I was a little bit nervous for his younger brother Colt because they've been going to the same daycare their whole life. And it turns out Neither one of them missed the other one. They just went about life. No struggles, no withdrawals, no separation anxiety. All was good. It's about as much as this mama could hope for. Very, very smooth. Good, good, good. Well, it's pretty short and sweet in terms of catch up because returning back to school was our big focus in the last two weeks. 
Now we will go ahead and switch gears and head on over to the main topic of the day. I have named this episode The Ugly Truth About Electric Cars, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I do have a special guest, Channing Chenoweth, my husband. He will be joining us, so please sit tight and listen in as both Channing and I discuss our adventures in car shopping. And do forgive us because we recorded this pretty late at night on like a Tuesday night. (laughs) And you can almost hear like me getting sicker and sicker and him getting more and more tired and ready for bed. But hey, props to him and props to myself for for hanging on and sticking through it and getting through the recording because we were both exhausted by the end. Hello and welcome to Starting Sustainability. This is episode 127. I'm your host, Kaylin Chenoweth, and I have a special guest today. He's been on a couple of times before, so he's making his third appearance on the podcast. This is my husband, Channing Chenoweth. Say hello. Hello. How's it going? Going great. (laughs) Other than being sick. Yeah. He's exhausted and I'm terribly sick, but we're going to put together this podcast episode just for you. At this moment in time, we finally have the kids in bed because we were unable to record last weekend, so we're cramming this in on a Tuesday night. (laughs) Good timing. So today's main topic, I have named this episode The Ugly Truth About Electric Cars because Channing and I went on a date day about three weeks ago, and on that day my sister Dawn took the boys for the day, and Channing and I went future car shopping. Why did we go car shopping? Because we have a third kid on the way, and my current car only holds two car seats, and we need a vehicle that will hold three car seats. So I have Channing here joining us today because he's going to tag team in telling our story of our adventure that day. The object of the day was to decide if we wanted either minivan or SUV. Now I'm team minivan. And I'm team SUV. (laughs) And I get it. Minivans are not that cool. So I understand why. (laughs) And you can do all the things in an SUV that you can do in a minivan. However, in my opinion, it's just way easier to have the minivan. So we went to the dealership. We actually lugged car seats around with us and arranged them into the vehicle and rearranged them around the vehicle and were able to list out our pros and cons of each one. And we made a decision. You want to do a drum roll? What was the winner? Minivan. A minivan! (laughs) Personally, I wish there was an electric minivan, but there is not. These are coming not really soon, though. I think the first one that was predicted to be here is going to be 2024, but the baby's due in November, and we cannot really wait that long for another car seat hookup. However, all of this searching for a new vehicle has forced us to research and learn a lot about eco-vehicle options, and we wanted to share our newfound knowledge with all of you. So that way you don't have to spend your precious time looking up all this information because we've already done all the research, giving you a lot of free time back. When looking for a new vehicle, there are many things to consider, and what works for our family may or may not work for yours. I would like to share that we do follow Dave Ramsey, and at this moment in time in our financial journey, a brand new vehicle is off limits. I'm going to let Channing explain why we made that decision together. Well, brand new vehicles obviously are very expensive. They depreciate a lot in the first four or five years. They could lose up to 50 or 60% of their value in the first four or five years. And uh, so you buy a brand new vehicle for, say, 50000 bucks in four or five years it's worth 25 if you're lucky and I just am not comfortable taking a hit like that. And I agree with Channing. 
we have a lot of other things that we'd rather do with our money. And I don't think that this is going to be our last vehicle forever. Probably going to go through a lot more vehicles in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So because we do not want a brand new vehicle, that leaves us with a pre-owned vehicle option. And thank you so much to high demand and major inflation. (laughs) Our options are kind of limited. Like when you go, when we went to the dealership, there were not a whole lot of options available to us. Of the used vehicles, basically our options are a gas guzzler, like a regular gas guzzler, something with an EcoBoost, a hybrid, or full electric. I do not actually understand the difference between an EcoBoost and a hybrid, so I'm going to let Channing explain that. Well, so an EcoBoost is designed by Ford. First one came out in 2009. Basically what it is, it's a typically it's a six-cylinder engine that's turbocharged. And so you're getting basically eight-cylinder power still on a six-cylinder engine, so you're still getting the six-cylinder gas mileage. So it's more fuel efficient. Yeah, it's more fuel efficient, but you'll now you have more parts to worry about, as what we ran into this year. <laughs> turbos do break, and they are expensive. And your truck has two turbos. My truck has two. We got to replace one, so yeah. I didn't realize that Ford, so Ford's the only one that does EcoBoost? Uh, I'm not sure if they're the only ones that do it nowadays, but they are the ones that designed it and have been doing it for years, since 2009. Yeah, I believe in anything that's EcoBoost is made by Ford, to my knowledge. As far as a hybrid, there's multiple types of hybrid. Basically what a hybrid is, is it's a, a vehicle that uses two different sources of fuel. So for a car, it would be gasoline and electricity. Uh, but there's multiple ways, multiple different types of hybrids. So like you have the plug-in hybrid, which is where you, you plug in the vehicle and you typically get 30 miles or so on the electricity and up to like 55 miles an hour so if you if you just drive five minutes down the road and you don't get over 55 miles an hour then you could probably run on electricity all the time but anything past that you're now jumping into gasoline it just automatically converts back to gasoline but what you have to keep in mind is it does cost money to charge it you know your electric bill is going to go up you do have to pay Uh, Most people at least have to pay to have the outlet installed in their garage or wherever, wherever they're going to plug it in at. So you get to pay an electrician to come do that. Hey, I know a guy. Yeah. (laughs) That's you. (laughs) One of my sisters has a hybrid minivan. So when we did our vacation up to Wisconsin, we actually got a chance to talk to her. She has four kids, which is why they have the minivan, and they got the hybrid. And she was able to help explain some of the pros and cons, which you touched on a little bit, but I just kind of want to go back and kind of finish letting them out. She explained to us that it was 12 hours to charge her minivan, which was hybrid. And for that, it would be 30 miles. And now on a big, long road trip all the way up to Wisconsin, that was 30 miles was a joke. But for every day running around, taking her kids to school and to their after-school activities then that actually worked out just fine running them around town. So she didn't really have to fill up on gas each week as long as she didn't go beyond the 30 miles. But she would need the gas when she goes beyond the 30 miles. Now my sister Rail is a mechanical engineer, so I did not bother double checking her math. I just took her word for it. But she said she checked her electric bill once they got the minivan and that every time they charged the minivan each night for 12 hours, it added $2 to her electric bill. So if a gallon of gas is 4 to $5 for 
for 30 miles, really like 28, I think, is the miles per gallon for the minivan. Then it's $2 per electric charge. You're only getting half savings or a little bit more than half savings, but it's not quite what everybody thinks it's going to be. They're going to save all this money because because there are expenses that cost money for the electricity. And like you said, if you don't have a quick charge port, it's not going to take 12 hours or you have to install it. Some people will even install solar panels to charge it, which is noble sustainability-wise, but also very expensive to get that done yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take you a long time to, uh, to break even on that. I mean, solar panels are not cheap and, you know, paying somebody to install them if you can't do it yourself is not cheap. There's other hybrid engines out there too. One of the other more common ones is one that just, you don't plug it in, but it runs on gasoline and electricity. It's got batteries and uh, somehow it uses the gasoline to recharge the batteries. Maybe like the same way that it recharges the alternator, like with use, like it might take some of that charge, I'm guessing. That's possible. I know with charging it, it has something to do with the braking system as well, but Basically, it just uses the gasoline whenever it has to, so you don't go through gasoline near as much as you do with the conventional motor. You know what else I just thought about? I believe they're starting to make electric cars now that have solar panels on the roof, so you don't have to... I don't know if you don't have to plug them in, or you don't have to plug them in as much, because as it's driving down the road, the sun is also going to help recharge it as well, to help reduce the electrical outlet usage. I don't know if you'd heard of that or not. I have not. That'd probably be a good thing, though. So at this point, we have reviewed the different types of car options available to us, and I would like to take, I'd like to take finances out of the equation and just kind of reanalyze a different way because we're making this decision financially based because that's a big thing for us, but I want to keep it broad for all the listeners. So finances are out. Many of us would think, myself included, that going fully electric would be the best way to save the environment, but we really have to take into consideration that that is what the electric car companies who are trying to sell us something want us to think. They have an excellent marketing campaign that has made Elon Musk a billionaire, and we need to get all of the facts first. I was completely on board with fully electric cars for sustainabilities. It's actually even on my bucket list that I read off at the beginning of the year was to upgrade to a fully electric vehicle. But I've learned some new information that has made me think twice, which is why I really wanted to talk about it today and share that information with you as well. Channing and I stumbled upon a TED Talks video titled Contradictions of Battery Operated Vehicles by Dr. Graham Conway. Who is Dr. Graham Conway? He is a principal engineer in the automotive division at Southwest Research Institute, and for the last 10 years, he has been immersed in evaluating automotive technologies and consulting for car companies and suppliers. He is passionate about making vehicles more efficient to ensure the future of the planet and has a message to share about some common misconceptions about electric versus non-electric vehicles. First, let's review the pros of an electric vehicle because it is important to know there are many good qualities. Electric vehicles are ideal for the future. They do a fantastic job of removing pollution out of the city air. You can even get free parking in some places, even a free charge up too. I know that where I work in our parking garages, there is electric car parking and you can get a free charge. They have like a plug-in right there. So if you drive an electric car, you can get a free charge which is pretty awesome. And it's even in a parking spot right up front. 
<laughs> so you don't have to not, walk as far. It's still really not fair to the people who have to pump gasoline in their car, though. I know they should have gasoline pumps in the parking garages, too. That would be nice. Yeah, they should. That but would that, be nice. that's not a pro-environment, so I don't think anyone's going to jump on that bandwagon. And now that it got even more expensive, they're definitely not going to jump on the bandwagon. We can all agree that climate change is a global problem. And there are many contributing factors, one being the billions of gas-powered cars on the road producing pollution every day. Carbon dioxide is literally being pumped out of the tailpipe of every single car. What is great about electric vehicles is that there is not any carbon dioxide coming out of the tailpipe. And that is how they earned the name zero emissions, because no emissions are being produced from the electric vehicle. I would also like to point out that I myself, as a human being, breathe... Although not very well right now since I'm so sick, but I breathe in oxygen and I breathe out carbon dioxide. Therefore, we ourselves are not zero emissions as natural human beings. I want to point out the natural life cycle, the natural life cycle of carbon dioxide. I breathe out carbon dioxide. Plants like grass and trees absorb the carbon dioxide and they convert it into oxygen. This is basic biology that we all learned a long time ago. They convert it into oxygen and then I breathe that oxygen and this forms the cycle. It goes around and around. Therefore, the carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere are not rising because of my breathing or my dog's breathing. He's actually licking right behind me. <laughs> it's really annoying, distracting. Or horses breathing or hundreds of billions of people on the earth breathing. That's not why CO2 is rising. CO2 is rising because when you have gas guzzling vehicles, that process is you dig the oil out of the ground, burn it via the car, and that produces a lot of CO2, a lot of the carbon dioxide, that is not in the cycle, and therefore it's feeding into the ever-increasing levels of the greenhouse gases. So there's no CO2 coming out of the tailpipe. However, it does run on electricity. So where does electricity come from? It comes from the outlet in my garage. <laughs> of course it does. Actually, a large portion of our electricity comes from coal. So we dig coal out of the ground and burn it in a substation, and that produces CO2. That's what a lot of people don't think about. But coal isn't our only source that we use. No, we also burn natural gas and oil. They also produce CO2, so they're not really any better. We do have some electrical companies that run off of renewable resources like wind turbines and hydropower maybe even some solar panels, but it's definitely a very small portion compared to the rest of the electrical grid and how they're getting their electrical supply via coal and gas and oil. There is a loophole where people can get solar panels, like we discussed earlier, get solar panels and use that for their house and use that to charge their car. Again, that is a big financial burden that not everybody is able to do. Thinking about it from a different perspective, the demand for electric cars is going up really high because of the high gas prices. And electric cars are at an all-time high, which is great for the environment. But at the same time, now electrical demands to charge these cars is going up, 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 continuously feeding into the carbon dioxide rising levels in the atmosphere. So the question now is comparing a fuel-burning vehicle to an electric vehicle taking into consideration the amount of carbon dioxide produced from the fuel-burning vehicle and comparing it to carbon dioxide produced to create electricity to charge the electric vehicle. 
So the average age of a vehicle is around 180,000 miles. Fuel burning vehicles will produce about 30 tons of CO2 in its lifetime. In terms of an electric vehicle, the production of electricity needed for it to run 180,000 miles will produce 17 tons of CO2. Okay, so when you compare the fuel vehicle to the electric vehicle, the fuel vehicle is still worse because it's 30 tons and versus the electric 17, yes. versus 17. Okay, so electrical is not so bad. But in producing a vehicle, a gas-burning vehicle produce, produces about 6 tons of CO2 when being made, but an electric vehicle actually generates about 12 tons of CO2 during production. Why is that? There's less parts for the electric vehicle. It's the battery. But a regular car has a battery. But an electric car battery is massive because it you know, runs the whole vehicle. Okay, so to recap our math... It's six tons of carbon dioxide to create a regular vehicle, a gas-burning vehicle, and it produces 30 tons over its lifetime, for a grand total of 36 tons for the fuel vehicle. And an electric vehicle is 12 tons for production, mostly for the battery, and 17 tons of carbon dioxide over its lifetime for a total of 29. So even comparing that, 36 to 29, that is still in the electric vehicle's favor. Well, a full tank of gas will typically get you about 400 miles uh, in an electric car, a full charge will only gets you about 125 miles. But it's a goal of, of the electric vehicle industry to develop a bigger battery to get us up to that 400 mile range. But now this is going to take about 26 tons of CO2 to generate the electric vehicle, which tips the scale of fuel cars at 36 tons of CO2 and now the electric vehicle 42 tons. So those numbers are over the car's lifetimes, meaning the electric vehicle is not actually reducing carbon dioxide emitted. It doesn't match the advertising of zero emissions anymore. It seems as both options are bad options. So what is the right choice? Hybrids. Hybrids. <laughs> Why? Hybrids require a smaller battery. They don't use as much fuel. And then the CO2 produced to create a hybrid is the same six tons as a fuel vehicle. But because the hybrid model of electric and fuel only produces 19 tons over its lifetime for a grand total of 25 tons of CO2. And yes, this is for a 400 mile range vehicle. So you're telling me we need to look for a hybrid minivan to support our family and be sustainable. If that's what you want. If that's in our budget, and if it's what we can find, because the pickings are pretty slim at the dealership. Hybrids are definitely the solution for now, but in the future, if we can change the way the world generates its electricity to a much higher percentage of renewable energy sources, and we can change the way that we make the batteries, then the electric vehicle would be the best option. I do firmly believe that this is coming. It's definitely going to take a while. I believe the prediction is a couple of decades, so it's quite a while. But for now, we are stuck waiting for the technology and the rest of the world to catch up. And that means right now, the best choice for us is a hybrid. I do want to mention that while researching and putting this episode together, I also stumbled upon how many engine companies are actively working on refining the combustion engine to make it cleaner and to burn less emissions to make it more sustainable for our future. 
I thought that was fantastic. And also how engine companies are looking into renewable fuel sources. They're working on combining water with carbon dioxide waste from our vehicles and combining that together to create a fuel source that would essentially replace gasoline. Obviously, it's going to take a long time to get there, but it's a really exciting option for the future. If we can take the carbon dioxide waste that is produced by our vehicles and add it to water and then burn it again, we have now created a cycle, carbon dioxide cycle, similar to the one that I talked about at the beginning of the episode where I breathe out carbon dioxide, plants take it in, convert it to oxygen, and now we've got a complete cycle, reducing the increasing levels in the atmosphere. So if we can do that with a renewable fuel source, again, we would be reducing the level of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere by creating a cycle for it, which is so fascinating to me. The conclusion we came up with in order to impact climate change right now would be to look for a hybrid vehicle. I do still recommend keeping whatever vehicle you currently have as long as possible. But when you get to the point of needing a new vehicle because the old one fell apart, or in our case, we have a growing family that won't fit in my current vehicle, then look for a hybrid. Used is preferred. However, it's pretty slim pickings right now in the used car inventory. So you just have to do the best that you can given the situation that you're in. Channing, do you have any closing remarks? Anything that we didn't touch on? No. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's currently 9.30 at night, and our alarms are going off in six hours. Yep. All right. Then we're going to wrap this up and go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And go to bed we did. Immediately after we finished recording, we both just went straight to bed. We were so tired that night. Me recording the intro and the outro right now has been a couple of days. I'm a bit refreshed now and feeling a whole lot better. Thank you again, Channing, very much for staying up late way past your bedtime to record with me. I do appreciate it in sharing our story and hopefully getting a lot of new information out there. Not everybody's going to be in agreement with us, and that's okay. This is all discussion. This is starting sustainability and learning along our journey. So if you have an electric car and have a great, wonderful experience with it, fantastic. If you have a hybrid and you love that, wonderful, marvelous. And if you have a car that you have paid off and it's 18, 19 years old and it guzzles gas and you're running it into the ground, also marvelous. Like these are all wonderful ways to be sustainable. Everybody's going to do it a little bit differently and that's perfectly fine. If you have some feedback on the discussion, I would love to hear that. I think it'd be fantastic to hear that. You can give us feedback a few different ways. You can email me at kaylin, K-A-Y-L-I-N, at startingsustainability.com. But honestly, the most preferred and easiest method is to go to the Facebook group, Starting Sustainability, and we can start up a conversation and a chat there. You can do a post for the whole community to see and do a discussion on, or if you want to just do a direct message to me, that's also wonderful. There's a lot of new information coming out in terms of hybrids and electric vehicles, and technology is changing every single day. It really is, and I hope for the best for our future. For now, that is the end of this week's episode, which means it is time for the weekly challenge. And I've just drawn a card here and it says, avoid single use products such as disposable razors and cutlery. Invest in reusable items instead. Check and check. (laughs) We've talked about that quite a bit on this podcast. So 
If you are brand new to listening, then this is a great challenge for you to start on. If you've already done this challenge, great, even better. That's marvelous. Keep going. Don't just stop at razors and cutlery. Find other things that you can replace with permanent reusable items. There's lots of them. Towels and napkins, you can get reusable versions. Even your coffee filter for your coffee pot, you can get a reusable one. Ziploc bags, easily replace those with stasher bags. There's lots of different things. Let me see what else is there. Saran wrap, get rid of that crap. (laughs) Saran wrap, clean rack, whatever you want to call it. You can get silicone lids to put on top of Tupperwares and bowls and other containers instead of using the saran wrap. So there's lots of other things that you can do. One of the coolest things that I found, I believe it was Faith who shared this with everybody, was the Misto. And if you're familiar with like Pam cooking spray, like the aerosol cooking spray, I say Pam, but it really could be any brand at all. The Misto is a replacement for that. It's a glass aerosol pump. And I just thought that was like the coolest thing because you don't see that anywhere. That one, you have to specially hunt for it. it, I think we got off of Amazon at the time. That was a couple of years ago that I got it. We still use it to this day and love it. I think it's great. My point is there are a lot of permanent options to replace reusable things. You just have to go hunting a little bit and you'll find all sorts of really cool things. And when you do find them, again, share it with the Facebook group. That way everybody else can learn about it too. That's what Faith did. And I think that was very eye-opening for many members because there were a lot of comments on that post. This was a while ago. This was probably a couple years ago, but still very memorable. That is your challenge for this episode. And sadly enough, I'm looking at my deck of these challenge cards and I only have three left. I'm not sure what we're going to do after I finish up the last of these cards. I'll have to think about that and come up with a new solution. But I'm pretty excited either way that this has been going long enough, that this podcast has been sustainable long enough to work our way through all of these challenge cards. Thank you, Emily, for gifting me these challenge cards. I think it's been a really fun new addition to the podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. That will drop on Monday, September 5th. That is Labor Day. (laughs) I hope everybody has a wonderful Labor Day holiday. In the meantime, continue saving the world, and I will talk to you all again on Monday, September 5th. Have a great one. Bye. Welcome to the Realistic Sustainability Podcast, a guide to greening your life. Each week, we will explore sustainability concepts and what we can do to reduce our family's carbon footprint while growing our positive footprint. This show supports step-by-step progress without those extreme jump-all-in measures. So join us on Anchor or your favorite podcast platform and subscribe today.